Hey everybody, another day, another dollar here in post-pandemic America. And uh, did anybody catch Biden's State of the Union last night? I caught it. Admittedly, I had had some Tito's vodka. Had a little vodka and maybe a little adult jazz cigarette. Uh, was using it as allowed by law. Maybe had a little jazz cigarette. And here I'm watching the State of the Union. The guy's whole cadence, his cadence and his delivery is so disjointed. It's like listening to that chat bot AI. You know, it's like that wasn't really a speech. That was a bunch of kind of random talking points put together. You know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> who was Biden's speechwriter? There was nothing that really flowed about that. It was like, oh, these are a bunch of bullet points that you want to address. And maybe you should do that as a series of tweets or something. I'm serious. I'm not saying there should be a State of the Union. But, uh, again, I got bad vibes from last night. The whole thing's so damn creepy. Had Kevin McCarthy smiling behind him the whole time, like a wax figure. This McCarthy I don't fully trust. <laughs> you can see the power's already getting to him. You know, he was in some power days last night. You should watch the clip if you haven't seen it. So McCarthy's a weirdo, and he's our, our best hope. <laughs> and I don't trust him at all. And then you got George Santos, talented Mr. Ripley. Guy sitting there, he should absolutely not be in Congress. Everything about this guy's a fraud. And uh, some Republicans are like, well, we need him for the seat, his, his voting seat. Well, that means you're okay with fraud. It means you're literally okay with the guy you got in there by means of complete fraud. And you can't trust a guy like that to even vote with your party. So why not maintain some credibility and throw his ass out and do like a special election? And then you get another Republican in there. That's what people want basically is a Republican for that district based on the voting, you know, based on the voting data. That's what they want. They don't let George Santos. He has no celebrity appeal. They didn't even know who he was, you know, so that to me is just shameful. But Somebody in the live chat, we have the live stream going right now on TikTok. Because as I was saying, I like having a live audience. It's good to have people fact check you and provide, you know, story ideas, stuff they want you to cover throughout the week. It's a true value add. So you got almost, what, 25,000 followers on TikTok. Uh, so someone said, can you mention it's Black History Month? Yeah, happy Black History Month to everybody. And, uh, you know, Rosa Parks chose to sit at the front of the bus. And there's that infamous black and white photo of the businessman, you know, a row or two behind her. And he's just looking annoyed and angry, like his mind is blown. You know, he's seen some incredible transgression and doesn't know what to make of it. And you, you skip out enough years or enough decades, that dude was in the wrong that white guy on the bus was in the wrong. Everybody who argued against integration was in the wrong. Everybody who argued for segregation was shamefully in the wrong. And they don't claim that that was the side they were on. You don't see many political families claiming that back in the 50s and 60s, they were against the civil rights movement. You just don't see that. And in much the same way, you know, not to compare myself to black civil rights leaders, the deplatforming stuff that I've experienced. <laughs> in enough time, it'll be seen for what it is. It'll be seen for the oppressive act that it was and is. 
And a friend of mine last week said to me, why is it that you get, why is it that you get, you know, a bunch of crap? You get a bunch of negative stuff written about you for trying to out elite child trafficking that was happening in D.C., trying to out it, trying to get law enforcement somewhere to investigate these handful of people. And we have circumstantial evidence. We literally have their emails that leaked over on WikiLeaks. We've not had six years to analyze all this stuff and to fact check ourselves and make sure we're not getting it wrong. And why is it that I'm, I'm dealing with all the blowback and not the suspected pedos in those emails? And it, it blows my mind, too. And it's like, why was Rosa Parks suppressed? She was doing the right thing. An American's an American. You don't have to be forced to sit at the back of the bus. So as I was saying on the live stream, I remember when I could just upload a YouTube video or do a podcast, and then I'd go to lunch. This is when I was living in L.A. I'd go to lunch... And uh, I'd check in on how the numbers were doing that afternoon or that evening. And there'd be no, no thought in my mind about, well, I hope they don't take it down. I hope it's not erased and then people say I'm some creep and deserve to have my video deleted. That wasn't a part of my life. And now it's like every other piece of content we put up, this is what happens. In the future, I won't be seen as a bad dude. The people who tried to silence me, like Joe Rogan, deleting those 20 hours of content we had recorded was on his show seven times. At just the height of the scandal I was covering, he chooses to delete all of those so that they can rush out this narrative that I'm just some total weirdo who is like some media entryist, right? Like I just popped up out of nowhere. When in reality, more than a decade of interviews that I'd been doing on the topics I talk about today, like Bitcoin, more than a decade of sound, interesting interviews and they just tastefully wiped them all. What kind of crap is that? And then when people asked Rogan about it, he treated me like I'm, I'm some person who's so crazy, I'm beyond even mentioning. Like I'm the chupacabra or something. Like incredible, incredible betrayal. <laughs> and again, I'm not comparing myself to Rosa Parks. I'm simply saying that the time scale involved is unfortunately similar. In five or 10 years, I'm lecturing at a university about, you know, journalism. No doubt this goes down as one of the greatest injustices in American journalism. Meanwhile, they give, uh, they give Pulitzers to these people who promoted Russiagate, which now we know is just a fraud. And they gave them Pulitzers to like underscore their legitimacy when they should not have had any legitimacy at all. And by the way, the Pulitzer is a total joke, like everything else in our, our troubled clown world at the moment. <laughs> it's a total joke. What I mean by this is Joseph Pulitzer, uh, he was the publisher of New York World, which was basically a tabloid newspaper. They would send people around the world in hot air balloons and stuff like that, speaking of the, the Chinese spy balloon. They would literally send their reporters around the world in 80 days, hot air balloons, and all this nonsense. And it was a populist tabloid rag. It was not considered great journalism by any means. It was like the newspaper in Spider-Man. You know, like, give me those photos of Spider-Man. It was total yellow journalism garbage. And he's the person who is the, you know, the, the, the patron and the person whose name is still tied to the Pulitzer Prize. It means nothing. It'd be like getting the Jerry Springer Prize. Oh, the Jerry Springer Prize for integrity and broadcast journalism. His name should be nothing. It's a total shill job.
just like people who get the Nobel Prize for peace when Nobel invited uh, invented modern dynamite, right? It was like his way of dealing with the guilt he experienced. But with the Pulitzer, it's even more ridiculous because the Nobel Prize, you get it. It's like this guy introduced something harmful into the world and he wanted to make up for it by doing a peace prize. That makes way more sense than the Pulitzer, where again, it's named after a tabloid publisher, this total trash publisher of a century ago. And they, they award it to people who maintain whatever establishment narrative they want to maintain. Total sham. We got so much work to do in the journalism industry. It's part of what excites me about my life in the next few years, you know, is like we have something we can put out in the world that people are consuming. The newsletter, we see people signing up for that. We send these research emails throughout the week. And uh, I think that's the future of journalism is how credible are you? Are you just putting out stuff that's accurate or not? Are you putting out little partisan nonsense just for your side? Or are you trying to be like a fair referee of fact? Because that's what we used to have in this country, or at least we thought we had it, right? You'd tune in to the TV. You didn't think they were trying to score little political brownie points for uh, John Podesta or Ronna McDaniel on the other side. That awful. What did they see in her? Why did they choose her as GOP chairwoman again? She's awful. Total normie, normie creep. She's on the wrong side of all the biggest civil rights issues. That Republicans could get young voters. They could attract young voters. They're not interested in that. Not interested at all. So Fat Rana, she gets another term as GOP chairwoman. Happy to take questions and comments at this point. Uh, someone says, notice that Joe Biden had brown eyes. Uh, did he do the marble eyes where his eyes turned pure black? That's when you know he's not messing around. Eyes turn to those true blood eyes. I'm not a big fan. Not a big fan of the last two years of Joe Biden. And notice, at least the parts I watched last night, he didn't mention the shots at all. Didn't really talk about COVID much. Didn't mention the shots. Didn't push them on people. I think they know they're finally losing. Finally losing that narrative. People are fed up. I, I have friends of mine who are quite sick who've taken all the shots and boosters, and they're just sick all the time now. It's totally not what they signed up for. Previously healthy people in their 30s. Not what they signed up for. And I saw an article on the homepage of MSN, homepage of MSN.com yesterday, and it was trying to normalize children getting heart attacks. This is such craziness. We're in such uncharted waters here in Sacred West. It was an article that was saying a 14-year-old was at a dance and she thought she had butterflies because she was dancing with uh, someone at the school dance. Turns out cardiac arrest. And they say, but don't worry, it wasn't due to the vaccines. How can you say that with certainty, first of all? Especially when she took them, presumably, or else she would not have been allowed in school. And uh, what a nightmare. What an absolutely dishonest and disgusting nightmare. Nothing else like it. A hundred times worse than 9-11, what they've done to us. A hundred times worse, if not more than that. Uh, now this is a part of young people's life experience. Oh, is it is it butterflies or are you experiencing a heart attack? Sorry, that's, that's BS. The human body, it used to be, you didn't get heart attacks as a teen. Unless you had some weird congenital heart condition. Just simply was not a part of people's reality. Now they're trying to normalize it. Sick. Absolutely sick. 
Uh, Mental liberal says loving your truth. Uh, John says daughter has myocarditis from one jab. Wow. Yeah, so what I'm saying, again, is not conspiracy theory. I'm not trying to stir things up. Certainly, I don't I do not do well by talking about this. We get banned and stuff, you know. Uh, it's not like this helps me out career-wise or monetarily. It's just the absolute truth. Absolute truth here. You don't actually believe this. I do, though. What part of what I'm saying do you not believe, actually? Like, how programmed are you? You think I'm being paid by the Koch brothers to say there's something wrong with the vaccine just because it makes Joe Biden look bad? Like, is that how far gone your mind is? I wish I was taking money from the Koch brothers or old Soros or somebody. All these theories about me. Nah, just, just the guy living my life. Nobody pays for this outrageously censored content. <laughs> Obviously, if I were a shill, they would do a better job of broadening my pipeline. You know, I don't reach a lot of people anymore. <laughs> Podcast is great, but it's still nothing like the 200,000 subscribers we have back on YouTube. And I like the big numbers on TikTok, but they don't pay you anything. You don't make ad revenue. And it's unreliable. Some of our best videos have been taken down. Just polite, professional videos where I'm talking like I am now not some crazed Mussolini or something. And the video comes down and they say extremely abusive. And again, I remember when this wasn't a part of my reality. I was just allowed to put out our stuff. Wouldn't have Joe Rogan acted like I'm, you know, the ghost of Christmas past or something. When people ask, why do you delete the seven episodes with this guy? With the guy who outed John Podesta's emails and the guy who was right about Bitcoin from $80 onward. Why'd you do that? Oh, 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 oh. See, I remember when that wasn't a part of my reality. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys for tuning in today. And uh, if you don't yet get the newsletter, if you're here on TikTok or if you're over in podcast land later today, you don't yet get the newsletter link in description or link in profile. Very easy to sign up. Thousands of you guys already get it. And increasingly, it's the format I most enjoy. Email is the fourth rail of the internet. Everybody's forgotten about it. Like a decade ago, Andrew Mason created a multi-billion dollar business. Remember Groupon? Groupon emails that would go out to get these group deals from restaurants and stuff. Uh, so he turned an email newsletter into, again, this massive business. Every, everybody was sucking up to him to get included in a Groupon deal. And all these companies wanted to use Groupon. Email is powerful. And uh, our newsletter, I think, is something that the establishment just can't stop. They just can't stop people forwarding interesting emails. And again, it's an overlooked overlooked uh, uh, neighborhood of the internet. You don't just have to be on Twitter and stuff. Email's powerful. So that's it. Thank you, guys. And uh, someone says, you're telling the truth, stay strong. I know I'm telling the truth. And again, I, I remember... I remember it. If I had never had a life experience of being successful and having my content go out and people actually engaging with it, then maybe I wouldn't be so confident. That was my life once. It'll be my life again. These last few years are some kind of freaky aberration, some kind of sad groundhog's day that just won't seem to end. But one day it will, and our content will just be, will just be heard loud and clear. You know, because we didn't get this stuff wrong. And sitting here during the pandemic where I fact-checked myself and revisited those emails 
and spoke with other people. I don't think we got that wrong. Just like crypto, I don't think we foundationally got crypto wrong. If you believe in property rights, which have been an established part here in the West, a part of life for more than a thousand years, if you believe in property rights and individual rights from the Magna Carta onward, then you just can't outlaw somebody lawfully buying a little bit of block space on a credible blockchain like Bitcoin or Litecoin. You just can't block that from happening. And so over time, it changes the whole world. It's now you got software running your money supply. Instead of sad Jerome Powell and Janet Yellen, Jerome Powell is holding our economy hostage. You hear what the guy says, it makes my skin crawl. Too many jobs, we're going to have to weaken things. Why do you have to weaken things? People are finally getting good jobs again, some people anyways. People are finally spending a little bit and you want to shatter that recovery. We're seeing too much strength. We have to increase interest rates more. It's like people aren't going to pay much more for a car loan or for a mortgage. You're going to collapse the whole economy with this nonsense. Nobody's paying 12% for an effing car loan. They just won't buy the car, right? So it contracts your economy. And I guess that's what they want, right? It's about harming the average person. So the Federal Reserve dollar, a completely made up thing, no proof of work component. Janet Yellen just throws her hands up in the air, basically, and says, more dollars. And that's it. It's like an Oprah episode. Everybody gets money, you know? Uh, so there's no real sacrifice, and therefore there's no real rarity. And the only way they can combat natural inflation, because they're printing something that's not rare, and that's not mined, it's literally made up. The only way to combat it is to time to time hurt the average person, hurt them by jacking the cost of consumer loans and trying to slow down the economy. So they're literally protecting the Federal Reserve families, these bag holders who's, who are the descendants of the founding in 1913 of the Fed, literally protecting their wealth and prestige at the expense of people being able to have good lives in America. It seems treasonous to me. People act like crypto is the problem. No, the problem is you got a Federal Reserve that literally tells you they're going to harm the economy because dollars are, are being treated they're being treated uh, like they're cheap. Well, they are cheap, just a rectangle of paper. No proof of work component. <laughs> Someone says the war with Russia is over the dollar. Uh, I think in part it's, it's Russia being fed up with the kind of uh, U.S. monopoly over stuff, to be sure. Right? It's the U.S. telling the world what to do. And I don't think Russia's the good guy by any means. I think they're the bad guy. But what they're saying is, hey, we call your bluff. You're just a handful of old people. You don't control all finance on the planet. And in that, I agree with them. They are just a handful of old people. They destroyed the dollar themselves by making it too restrictive, by ruining the banking process. The banking experience sucks now. I had to explain a relatively small charge that was completely, completely legit, I had to explain it in detail to my bank or else they were going to freeze my, uh, freeze my account. And I, I finally asked the lady and, you know, compliance or customer service or wherever she came from. I finally asked her, is this how you treat like celebrities and rich people? Like what if Tom Hanks wants to spend a thousand dollars on his credit card? Do you then ask him, you know, did you need that laptop? Did you need to buy it now? Or could you have waited? Like, where do you get off doing this for such a relatively small amount of money? What, what's going on here, you know? So it's that terrible experience that drives people into crypto. 
because I've never had a moment where my Bitcoin wallet doesn't load. All these horror stories are mostly completely made up, made up by people who don't know what they're talking about. Crypto is neutral. Like email, it either works or it doesn't. It either sent your email or it didn't send. You either receive the Bitcoin or you don't. There's very little gray area. And the banking system, by contrast, it's like, is this even my own money? I have to justify to you my credit card purchases. Again, what about celebrities? Every time LeBron drops 500 bucks, does he have to explain what he's spending the money on? Incredible. So anyway, just food for thought. You're listening to Fulcrum News, real news from America and around the world. Fulcrumnews.com slash subscribe to get our premium membership and updates via email.